0: That's for sure. So, let me start this morning by asking you this question. What is the goal of your salvation? Really, I mean, what what is the point of a person being saved? Is it having our sins forgiven? Come on, talk to me. Is it having our sins forgiven? Yes. Is it knowing that we're going to go to heaven when we die? Absolutely. Is it having peace and joy in this life of, of trouble and sorrow? Yes, it is. But how would Jesus answer that question? I mean, how would Jesus answer the question, what is the the point or the goal of our salvation? Well, all we have to do is go to the Bible because Jesus tells us the point of it. One day Jesus was, was praying to His Father and He was actually praying for us, the church, His own children. And this is what Jesus prayed to His Father. John chapter 17 verse 3. And this is eternal life, he said. So there is the basis. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So there you have it. The they that he's talking about is us, so that we might know him. So put it all together Jesus said, This is what eternal life is, that we, us humans, could know God, the one and only God, through His Son, Jesus Christ. So, here is what eternal life is all about. It is all about a personal, intimate relationship with the only true God and His Son, Jesus Christ. And I really think to some degree we get that. When we talk about getting saved, we talk about the time that that I came to know the Lord. All right, That's what we say. I, I came to know Christ. And then the Holy Spirit comes to live in us. And He makes it possible for us to talk to God. And for us to listen to God. He makes Jesus Christ real to us. Therefore, there are times when we are in public worship and it feels like God is just right here with us. Man, I felt that way this morning, didn't you? That we were worshiping God and God was right in this place with us. There are times in our our quiet time when we're reading the Word of God and it feels like God is right there in the room with us, doesn't it? Or when we're praying and and we feel like we are just talking right to God and God is listening to us. And and I have felt this even in times of, of trouble, that God is right there beside me. Boy, what a great feeling that is. I told the 9 o'clock crew when they were here that every Sunday morning when I, when I leave the house early in the morning, I, I start that old red truck up, my, I take off to the church, and I turn off my radio because that is, that is one of the times I spend really praying for the services that are going to happen at Kavanaugh Church on Sunday morning. I'll pray for the 9 o'clock service, and then, boy, I, I really pray for you guys. Yeah. I really pray for this 1030 service and and it's my time to to pray. Usually I say kind of the same thing, but it's in a different way. I'll say, Lord, as people pull in the parking lot, I I pray that they would begin to sense your presence. And Lord, when they walk in the building, may may they know that you are in this place. And as we worship you publicly, Lord, may they experience a a real dose of God. And, And then, Steve, I get a little personal and I start praying for myself. And I said, Lord, would you anoint me? And I pray that your Holy Spirit just just come on me afresh and anew because I'm kind of like the mailman today. I, I'm delivering God's mail to you. And, and it's a really important thing that I'm doing. I'm sharing with you the Word of God that can change your life. And I, I take that very seriously. And so I, I ask God to anoint me with His Holy Spirit afresh and anew so that I've got a Word to give to you. And I mean, it, it was going so great this morning in my prayer time. I, I don't know how fast I was going. I really don't care how fast I was. I was just enjoying my time with the Lord. And I backed into my parking spot back on the back 40 over there. And instead of ending that time with God, I just kept praying. I don't know, five, 10 minutes, I sat out in the truck in the parking lot just, just praying. You know why? It felt like He was in the seat right beside me. And I love it. I love it when when I have times like that, don't you? But then there are times when it doesn't feel that way. It's like I'm just mouthing words in my worship. I'm really not getting through to God. There are times when I'm praying that I, that I just don't feel like He's with me and all I'm doing is talking to myself. And and there are times when I read the Bible that I really don't experience God's presence. And, and, and there are times when, when God just seems so far away, and and there are times when I cry out to God in my trouble, and and it doesn't feel like He's there. Now I know in my head that He is there, but it doesn't always feel that way. Now I'm old enough now to understand that, that feelings can be fickle. Teenagers, you need to learn that, all right? Feelings can be very fickle. You know, back when I was in high school, I thought I loved this old gal named Valerie, and I was gonna boy, that was a that was a fickle feeling I had towards that other girl. Wasn't the real thing, church. That's right, hear yeah. you. Yeah. So feelings are fickle, and sometimes it doesn't feel like God is close to us. Let's be honest, we we all battle that, don't we? Come on, we all battle that. So what do we do? Well, I want to assure you of something this morning that is truth. When Jesus said, listen, when Jesus said, this is eternal life, that you may know the one true God and His Son Jesus, that that is truth. You can know Him. You can have a personal relationship with God. You can know God right now. And you can know Him for eternity. But you know what, it may not always be this this overwhelming feeling that we have in in our relationship with God. And I know that. I've experienced that. But but for the times that it's hard and sometimes elusive for us to, to feel close to God, you need to know. You need to know that there will be a day when we will be so completely... And eternally cured of our sin disease, that we will no longer have any trouble whatsoever knowing God. In fact, the way we experience God right now is nothing compared to the way we will experience God in heaven. It's what we're going to experience in the new heaven and the new earth. Today, I'm going to conclude this series of sermons on heaven, and really what I want to talk to you about is, is what is it going to be like when you're face-to-face with God. So let's open our Bibles to Revelation chapter 21. Uh, it was there last week. We, we looked at this vision that, uh, that John saw from, from heaven about the new heaven and the new earth and what it's going to be like. Today I'm just going to read verses 3 and 4 from, John, from Revelation chapter 21, the words that John wrote down. And here they are Revelation 21 verse 3. He said, and I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will and with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them, and God will be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death nor sorrow, nor crying, there shall be no more pain, for the former things, all the former things have passed away. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would just guide us as we look into your word and let us hear a word from you today. In Jesus' name, amen. So today I want to talk to you about what makes heaven, heaven. But really, when it comes right down to it, this is what eternal life is all about. It's all about living in the presence of Almighty God forever. Now, we know that now, but our fallen bodies and this fallen world in which we live in keeps us from fully experiencing the presence of God. I want to show you what it means to be in His presence full face, all the way, 100% for eternity. The first thing you're going to experience is the unlimited presence of God. Revelation 21 verse 3, And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He will dwell with them, and they shall be His people. God Himself will be with them, and He will be their God. Now, God dwelling with His people is a theme or a motif that goes all the way through the Bible. Remember when the Israelites left Egypt and they went through the wilderness on their way to the promised land? God gave them a a tabernacle. It, It was almost like a portable worship tent. He dwelt among them as they traveled through the wilderness. And then when they got to the promised land, God gave them a temple in Jerusalem where he dwelled among them. But generally speaking, the presence of God was limited in the Old Testament to these two structures the tent in the wilderness and then the temple in the city of Jerusalem. You fast forward that to the time Jesus was born. And in John chapter 1, verse 14, it says, The Word, the capital W, that means Jesus, the Word became flesh, and He dwelt among us. So for the first time, people saw God in the person of His Son, Jesus Christ. But the presence of God was limited to the physical body of Jesus. After Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, He ascended back into heaven. And at that point, God sent His Holy Spirit to live in the hearts of believers. Right? If you have been saved, born again, you believe in Jesus Christ, you have the gift of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And the Bible says that we then, our human bodies, become the temple of God, the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit of God Almighty. But that itself is limited. It's limited to us as believers. Now, sure, I know God is everywhere. We've got a word for that, omnipresent. means God is everywhere present at the same time. We understand that in our minds. God is everywhere, but He is not experienced everywhere because we are sinful. And we live in a sinful world. But church, there is coming a day. Watch out. Are you with me? There is coming a day when God Himself will dwell on earth and He is going to bring the full expression of His kingdom with Him. And every square inch of the new heavens and the new earth will pulsate in a visible way with the presence of Almighty God. Look at it again, verse 3. Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and He will dwell with them and they shall be His people... God Himself will be with them. God is going to be with us. Uh, Hallelujah. And He is going to be our God. What a day that will be. Man, what a day that will be. Come on, you free will Baptists. What a day that will be. Man. We're going to work on the clapping part. I mean, we're kind of getting it, but we're, you know. Now, Now, right now, we sin. We have sin in our world and in our life and the the presence of God doesn't, doesn't feel like it's real. But what an amazing thing it will be when we are so cured of our sin disease that we will experience the unlimited presence of a holy God every second of our existence in heaven. Now that is something to say praise the Lord about. Amen? What a great thing. There's something else we'll experience in this regard. The unconditional care of Almighty God. Verse 4, I love verse 4 of Revelation 21. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Literally, literally, literally. God is going to wipe away every single tear from your eyes. This is personal for God. I, I, I know this. God knows when... His children cry, and God knows why His children cry. Now, mothers are amazing. So You mothers are amazing. There can be a room full of, let's say, 25 babies, 25 kids, and one of them will start crying. And if your kid is in there and you hear that one kid, you'll know that's your kid. That's my baby. 20 kids in there, but you know the cry of your kid, don't you? See, some of you remember, I said that first service, those, those those old people, they don't remember when they had kids, right? I'm only kidding. Edit that out of the video right there, right? You live stream people, don't be calling your friends who came to the first service. Tell them I'm trash talking them, right? Nobody said amen though, but you know what I'm talking about, don't you? And what is even more amazing than that is you, you know the particular cry of your... You can pick your baby's cry up, but you know why that kid's crying. There's the mad cry. There's the I'm hurting cry. There's the I'm hungry cry. Yeah, you say, And your mama can probably hear you. She, you know. And, then, and, and the amazing thing is, mamas know how to deal with each one of those cries from their baby they they know and they know how to deal with it how much more does god know our cries amen and it says he's going to wipe away every tear from their eyes well you know i've got to tell you, i've got to wipe my own tears now I and mean, nobody's i don't i hadn't found anybody really willing to wipe my tears away but isn't it precious when 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 yeah so sad, hey, hey, boo hoo. Isn't it precious when, let maybe like a little, little girl, she falls on her bike and her knee is skinned up, and she's crying, and mama comes. And mama, isn't that precious? It's even more precious when daddy does. Like I say, nobody wipes my tears away anymore. Uh, I'm just soaking it in right now. You know what? Hey, listen to me. One day God's going to wipe my tears away. And guys, I don't, I don't know how God is going to manage to do this because there are going to be millions and millions of believers in heaven. And, and, and how is God going to deal this tenderly and personally with each one of us? I don't know, but what I do know is this. This is not false advertising. He is really going to do it. Somehow, you and I as believers will experience the personal unconditional care of Almighty God as He tenderly wipes away every tear from our eyes. All of the things that have caused us hurt and pain and heartaches through the years that cause us to cry. God is going to wipe all of that away. I mean, dude, listen, life is tough, isn't it? Even when you're a senior in high school, sometimes life can be tough. Hey, let me tell you, even the Christian life can be tough. That's why God has called us to persevere until the end. The race is tough. It's it's a hard race, but you know what? Hallelujah. It's going to be okay because He's going to to wipe our tears away. When I step into heaven, all the tears I've ever cried, He's going to wipe them off of my cheeks. They're going to be the last tears I ever shed. Why? Why? Why is it that way? Well, verse 4 goes on to explain. There shall be no more death or sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. In other words, what he is saying is this. All of the things that cause you to cry, all of the things that cause you pain and hurt and heartache and sorrow, all of the things in life that have broken your heart, they don't exist in heaven. They're not there anymore. He, he's, he, boy, He's just going to take care of it. Do you know what? When, when you dig deeper into this, and when I read this, this verse, all of these things that He's talking about that cause us to cry right now, that cause pain in our life, sin is at the root of all of those things. Death, mourning, crying, pain. It's all because of sin. Really, when you step back and analyze it, the things that cause you pain in life are due to sin. The the things that cause you to cry are because of sin. But sin and death has been defeated by Jesus Christ through His resurrection. And in that day, in that day, The universe we inhabit will be completely and totally cured of the sin problem. John says more about this in Revelation 22. In in fact, he he unveils more of this vision of the new heaven and the new earth and, and what it means in our relationship with God. Listen to Revelation 22 verse 3. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. They shall see His face, and His name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no more curse in heaven. I've got time, don't I? Do I have time? Am I boring you? Well, I'm going to do some Bible preaching then, if I'm not boring you too bad, because this this interests me, this curse thing. Nope. No more curse. What is, what, is he, what is he talking about? In fact, if you go back up to the start of that chapter, 22, listen to what it says. And he showed me a pure river of water of life. Here's a, here's, here is the river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. He's describing in the new city of Jerusalem, what he's talking about is, is heaven. And here's this, this river... Of life flowing through the, the city in the middle of its street, and on either side of the river was the what? Tree of life. You gotta be kidding me. The tree of life. I've read I've read about the tree of life somewhere else in the Bible, haven't you? And this this river? Have you ever read that before? This tree of life which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse. Well, I tell you, that, just, that, that piqued my interest when I, when I read that the other day. And it took me back. I'll tell you where it took me back to. Genesis. Genesis. So, I just read from the very last book the last chapter of the last book of the Bible, Revelation 22. And it took me back to Genesis when it all started. And and see if this doesn't compare. Genesis chapter 2, verse 8, The Lord planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there He put the man whom He had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life. We just read about that. The new Jerusalem, didn't we? The tree of life is there. It was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now a river went out of Eden to water the garden. There's that same river. Well, That river is in the garden of Eden and there it is in the new city of Jerusalem. The tree of life. It was in the garden of Eden which was a perfect place and here in Revelation chapter 2, I, I read about that same river of life. I read about that same tree of life. And guess what? It is in a perfect place. Do you see the comparison of the two? Eden was perfect. Heaven is perfect. But I'm not talking about the per- I'm talking about the curse, aren't I? The curse came in in chapter 3. The, the curse was, was, boy, right there is the curse. Man and woman, husband and wife. Well, that may be the next series I preach. You take a man and woman and put them together, and what do you get? Okay, yeah. Maybe I won't preach that. It didn't go over real good right then, but he had had the man and the woman in the Garden of Eden, and you know what happened. The, The devil came in, tempted the woman. She ate the fruit, and then she tempted the man. And, of course, men just do everything the women say to do, and so he did it, and... You're a tough crowd, man. I'm just trying to be funny right here, but it's not funny what happened. They both sinned of their own free will. Now here's what I want you to see. Genesis 3, verse 14, So the Lord God said to the serpent, the serpent, the devil, because you have done this, you are cursed. There's our word. Right there's where the curse came into play. And then He spoke to the woman who listened to the devil. And he said, you know what, lady, you're cursed too because it's going to be really hard. It's going to be a hard thing when you bear children. Ladies, I tossed that one up for you. It's tough, isn't it, ladies? That's the curse. And then he spoke to the man in verse 17. He said to Adam, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you saying you shall not eat Cursed it is the ground there's the curse what is the curse that he's talking about the curse is sin that is the curse what brings sorrow and heartache and pain and trouble and tears in this world it's the curse we deal with the curse every day but one day He's going to wipe the tears away. And there is no more curse. The effects of sin on us and on the universe we inhabit will cease. That's that's why God's redemptive activity in our life will not be completed until He gives us that new resurrected body in heaven. And when that happens on that day, the curse will end. Amen. But notice you're going to experience something else, and it's is my, my third point. There is going to be an unobstructed vision of God. Staying in Revelation 22, verse 4, it says, you will see Him face to face. We are going to see the face of God. Now, in the Old Testament, the general rule was, if you saw God, you died. All right? Even when the great Moses asked to see the face of God, God said back to him in Exodus 33, verse 20, You cannot see My face, for no one may see Me and live. And really, that's pretty much the way it was all the way through the Old Testament. Then when we come to the New Testament, things begin to change. Remember when Jesus came onto the scene, we saw the glory of the one and only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. So in the Word and by the Holy Spirit, We can see God in Jesus Christ. But for us, that is only by faith. I mean, it is. We live by faith. 1 Peter 1.8 Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. I mean, I haven't seen Jesus. Have you? Either a 9-foot or a 900-foot Jesus. I haven't seen Him. You know, that's older than some of you are, so you didn't get that. I haven't seen Him, but I love Him. And even though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and are filled with, I like to say, joy unspeakable and full of glory. Yeah. But, but really, that's just a taste of the joy that we're going to experience when we see Him face to face. But again, that's, that's part of the dilemma that we have today. Deep inside, I think most of us feel like David when he prayed in Psalm 42. As the deer pants after the streams of water, so my soul pants for You, O God. My soul is thirsty for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Listen, I think that's a pretty accurate diagnosis of our own situation today. Our souls are thirsty for God, for the living God deep down inside of you, deep down in the reservoir of your soul, you're longing to go and meet with God. Why? Because God created you to have a relationship with Him. And absolutely nothing else in this world will substitute for that. Everything else is a cheap imitation. Jesus is the only thing that will ultimately satisfy the longings of our soul. And yeah, I know we can experience Him right now. I do experience the joy of the Lord in my heart. As much as this perishable body of mine can take, as the downward drag of sin is pulling me down, I'm getting as much of God as I can, but church, listen to me. Can you even imagine what it's going to be like when our bodies are completely changed? And made like His to where the vision of God is not clouded with any selfishness or sinfulness on our part. And for the first time, we get to see God face to face. Well, that's why I wanted Virgil to sing that song this morning. It talks about seeing God face to face. Man, I can only imagine. And verse 4 of Revelation 22 says, And His name shall be on their foreheads. You're saying, what's up with that, man? What We get a stamp on our head? Well, something like it. But really, this, 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 this stamp is a seal of ownership. That's what it is. And if you are a Christian, a born-again believer, you will have God's seal on your forehead. That represents the fact that you're His. It's special. Let me tell you, you want that thing on your forehead, dude. So he can look out in the crowd and say, that one's mine. You can say I'm his. It's kind of what Paul was talking about in 1 Corinthians 13, 12. Now we see but a poor reflection, as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. You've got to have that seal on your forehead. That's your entrance into heaven. It's like having your name written in the Lamb's book of life. That's the only way you're going to get in. But he's able to point you out and say, that one's mine. Can you believe it's the end of April? This is actually April the what? 26, wow, that's a special day, isn't it? When you when you've pastored in a place almost 18 years and your daughter's birthday is, you can brag on your daughter too. But today is Callie's birthday, April 26. you can give her a big hand, yeah. Miss Callie, Miss Callie is she turns 18 today. She was four months old when we moved here, okay. And yeah, I'm proud of her, but you ought to be proud of her too because you've helped raise her. All right. It's the only church she's really ever known. So it's April 26. Callie's birthday is today. That means that May is right around the corner. May 10th is Angie's birthday. Y'all need to talk about Angie's birthday for just <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, she's 25. That's right, Jason. You are one smart cookie, man. Here's what it means: graduation is around the corner. That's what I'm getting at. Our children's center will have graduation here in just a few weeks. I love. I love kindergarten graduation. This room is going to be packed. Parents are going to get here early with cameras and gear and gadgets and they're going to be coming early to get the good seats up front. Grandparents who do not like to be squeezed in are willing to be squeezed in like sardines in these pews. Because it's a special night. All these precious little angels and they are angels right now. They will come up on the stage and they will do the program that they've been preparing to do for their parents and their grandparents. And what I like to do is either stand in the back or stand up in the balcony and I'm watching these kids on the stage. But really what I'm doing, I'm watching the parents and grandparents. It's a hoot, man. Yeah. And they're looking at all the cute little kids on the stage. And man, they're, they're all cute. That little kid, that little boy's picking his nose. He's cute. That little girl who's swinging her leg and singing louder than anybody else, she's cute. But what these parents and grandparents are doing, they're scanning, they're looking. That right there. Bill, get your can. Bill. That one's mine. And boy, they're just gleaming. They're so proud. And then when the little kid spots nanny and granddad, mom and dad out there, they start waving and they say, it's a pretty cool show. It really is. Everybody's gleaming. Everybody's happy. They can do a horrible job on the program, but nobody cares. It doesn't matter. We don't change much, do we? It's Callie's day. I'm Brag on Callie a little more. Last year, about this time, we were at the, uh, the Arkansas High School State Championship track meet. And she was doing the 300-meter hurdles, trying to do a repeat on on winning that and I was standing up there in the stands and Andrew's was recording and I was standing there yelling, come on Kelly, come on, come on Kelly, come on Kelly you can hear me on the video, I'm just getting louder and louder and she wins and I'm man, I'm just Where'd you go Kelly now it's pretty obvious she's my kid because she's the only one, you know, that's blonde hair and you know anyway, but there's this guy sitting up there, you didn't get that and that's okay there's this guy sitting up there and he says, he said, he said, "You know her?" <laughs> she's mine. That's what I, she's mine. She's mine. Listen to me, Church. There's going to be a day. There's going to be a day when you want to hear God. Say that about you. He's mine. That one right there. He's mine. He's mine. Steve. He, that one. Steve Mayhew. He's mine. You need to hear that. You say, well, preacher, how how, how can how can I know that that's going to ha- how can I know? I mean, I kind of I hope. No, there's got to be more to it than that. I was talking to a guy yesterday. He told me the story about his dad dying. He said, you know, i got to believe my dad's in heaven. And you know what? One day I'm going to see him again. I think I'm going. He said, I hope I am. Dude, let me tell you. There needs to be more than just thinking. There must be more than just hoping. And you can know. That's the cool thing. You can know. You can know you'll see Him face to face. Take, take the thinking and the hoping out of it. You can know. Preacher, how can I know? Well, when you profess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, when, when you follow the ABCs of salvation, A, admit that you're a sinner, B, believe that Jesus is the only one who can save you, and C, confess Him as Lord and Savior of your life. You commit your life to Jesus. You give Him your heart give Him your soul. You give Him everything. When you confess Him as Lord of your life, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And on that day, He'll look at... That one right there! He's mine! She's mine! Know that today. Heavenly Father, I pray that You would help us evaluate and look deep in our own lives. And Lord, if if there is a doubt or a question or we know for sure that that our names are not written in the Lamb's book of life. That we, we don't have heaven as our home. I pray, dear Lord, that we would do something about that today. That we would accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. That we would follow the will of God for our life. Lord, there, there may be someone here today that is is uh, um, slacked in their relationship with you, Lord. They're not following you like they once did. There, there's there's a wedge between between you and them. It's, it's a problem with sin. I pray, dear Lord, that they would come today and, and get things right with you. Lord, maybe we're here today and we're hurting. We're dealing with problems and, and heartaches and sorrow in our life. May we use this time to claim the promises that are found in God's Word and allow you to comfort and strengthen us. Lord, whatever whatever needs we have, I know that you can meet those needs if we will just let you. And I pray for my friends today that they would come and pray. Let you, dear Lord, minister to them. I ask this in Christ's name and for His sake. Amen. Would you stand with, with your heads bowed and eyes closed?